peace, my homie Aton, Aton Wiener, just overdosed on fentanyl at Stanford oh. University. Oh, Rest no. in peace. Oh, shit, was he a student? So much promise. He was a student. Yeah, he yeah. really was. His dad was a professor there. His mom oh. also worked there. He's yeah. very smart Jewish That's great. Kid. Do me a solid. Don't smile while you explain it. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not smiling. I'm just That's using the quarter my mouth. Asian I, I'm just I, I using miss my him mouth. very much. Let him Rest do. You just did a joke in the middle uh, of his dead homie. I'm talking about my dead homie. Yeah, he died. He overdosed, and he's, he's, I, you know how I, you know how else I got reminded of it because on NBC Snapchat news on the now this he's the top story. <gasps> oh shit! Really? Oh no! Yeah, it's just because famous. his dad. Yeah, he blew up, dog. I mean, wow. you know what? The, you know what the saddest part about it is the last time we saw him, me and my friend, was we fucking sent him a fake letter. From, St- from Stanford saying like your son smokes too much weed and he's bad at rap and, <laughs> and that was the hilarious. last we ever saw him and then we saw him again he oh. came back last break we were like we're gonna fight Aton and he fucking his friends got out of the car he never got out of the car just drove off that was the last we ever saw him oh. uh, yeah and I see him on Snapchat news rest in peace Aton Wiener so better place he's too smart for us wow well, but Heaven fentanyl, is, is nobody really knows how strong that stuff is. I've taken oh, fentanyl before. So it's, small, yeah. it's insane. It's You've like, done fentanyl? It's ten times stronger than heroin. Yeah, I, my... Yeah, um, so. No, morphine. They cut a lot of shit with it, especially in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. Not I, as much in Chicago. You want them to cut it with baking soda. That's what you prefer. I had a pharmaceutical-grade pat- transdermal patches because my ex-father-in-law died of terrible, terrible liver cancer. And when he was dying... Like, and it happened in six weeks. Like, he was, like, totally alive and playing golf. And then he was like, ow, this kind of hurts. And he went into the doctor, and they're like, you've got stage four liver cancer. You are Jesus. dying. <laughs> and so he died really quickly. But on his deathbed, he willed me all his drugs. And so I got That's everything you need to know Jesus. about Pam is that she gets willed drugs. <laughs> so like, I, people will them. <laughs> so he gave me 12 75-milligram fentanyl patches, and I'm, I'm no dummy. Jesus. I scored them on the back, so I only put on 25 milligrams at a time because it's, it's transdermal. Yeah. And I got so – it was awful. I hated it. I was high for like 56 hours the whole weekend, and it was – I hated it. I'll it take them off, yeah. Oh, I ended up sending him to Manchester, <laughs> England because I had some friends um, from MySpace throwback. Um, <laughs> I had some writing buddies that lived there, and they're like, yeah, I used to do that stuff. Send them to me. And so I put them uh, inside um, CDs. And I just sent them inside CD packages and sent them. And they were like, we got them. We got them. It's like, be careful. Don't open it up. Don't eat it. They're like, we know what we're doing. That's <laughs> so, crazy. Aaron, Aaron, I have a question for you along this vein. Um, so you, uh, if, if you don't mind yeah, talking no, go about for it. Yeah, go, go, go for it. You, you used to be a heroin addict, but you still you know, drink and smoke weed. You yeah. found a way to find the middle way, yeah, which so I, people have a hard fucking time doing. Because it's rare. Because there's a difference. Because addiction is like a disease, right? It's like that's genetic. Like how it's how you respond to alcohol. You you know you can't leave a drink untouched. Um, but something that is kind of like kind of volatile to tell to addicts, especially, is that there's a difference between addicts and there's abusers. You know, abusers are people that use drugs that don't necessarily like lean on it for their emotional stability, but still, you know, abuse drugs. <laughs> But, you know, you can't tell people this because every addict thinks they're an abuser. But, uh, you know, something I realized was that I did all that treatment, right? I, I, I was leaning on it emotionally for a very long time before I went to treatment. But when I got back, I relapsed within like a day of leaving. So I got back and I turned Oxycontin into lean because it's just, you know, just a little classic thing I like to do. Into lean? Into yeah. lean, yeah. You crush it up, run it through cold water. Yeah, you, tr- you it basically filters out all the other shit in the, in the medicine that prevents you from getting as high. Uh. And you just get like just basically the opiates. With promethazine tablets, right? Is that what you use? 
Oxycod. Oh. You just purify Oxycod, you get all those pure opiates. Same as like poppy tea, where you could just wash, you just like, do that with wash poppies. Huh? Did you just do that with high? Cold water, that's it. Cold water. Cold water. Because it's, water, so- it's water soluble. Yeah, so you're only getting out that opiate part. And it's sure, stronger. sure, sure. In a sock, you said? Yeah. Oh, through fabric filter? of any kind, yeah. yeah. Cheese cloth, same shit. And then uh, I did it, and I was like, that felt great. But I didn't. Like go ape shit, you know. Like I didn't yeah. lose my. I, I know my some a lot of my friends how they reacted to like relapsing on shit where they really lose your mind. You lose it to this. So you haven't been to treatment since that re- relapse. No. I mean, I, I got out and that was it. Also, I'll never go back too because I've totally lost faith in the system from being in there for a year and a half and being completely brainwashed. It's a cult, yeah, it's right? awful. Yeah. It's awful. They have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, and it's for money. They're oh. racking in insurance checks from a lot of these like wealthy families. Yeah, or just insurance from any family, you know. You can be, you can, it, it affects people of like a very wide socioeconomic class, like preferably rich people because they can pay everything. But you know, they can game insurance companies as well to get a payout every single month. Absolutely, you know, they don't care. So, was, was there a shift in your rationality of thinking, or like well, what what happened when you realized, like, oh, here's how I'm gonna do it? You just want to, you just want to succeed in spite of it, and that's what's more powerful than succeeding because of it. Because when you succeed, when you go through the program, you succeed. You get sobriety through a program. You always need the program to stay sober. If uh. you if you re- if you rebel, so to say, if you develop, you know, your your methods in spite of the program, then you do grow to just be strong in spite of this, you know, l- existential constraint on your freedom. Oh, there's something you know? very deep there. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think this is the same is true with education. Like if you sure. figure out how to, a way to learn by be yourself, curious. yeah, then you stop. Then, then you don't stop learning right after college, or when exactly. you're told yeah. that you don't have to learn anymore. And that's much more valuable. Or, or being uh, being engaged in the learning that you're doing, like wanting to be there makes a difference. I don't think that it makes sense for us to take 18 year olds and be like, okay, go to college, or you're not good enough. If you don't right. get in, if you don't get right. in, then what Especially the fuck are you here. doing with your life? And it's like give people a second to like figure out who they are. Like it's, I didn't. I wish I didn't go to. College until I mean I went to graduate school in my thirties, but I I really wish I would have done something else in my twenties. I wanted to go to yeah. culinary school. And my parents were like, "You have to go to a four year university, exactly. or you never be good enough." And it pushes kids <laughs> to like. I mean, look look at Palo Alto High School. They have like they when I was a junior in high school, my at siblings went there. Eight people killed themselves in a year because oh. they're right next to the train tracks. Yeah, the Atlantic kids, they, did an article about yeah, it. Yeah, they're across the street from a fucking from Stanford. Everybody has this expectation they should go to Stanford, and they're all pushed to this extent that they. And they're, the campus is right next to a fucking train station. Yeah. When you see it's right there, this access to it is just it's just it's is that a how a lot trauma. of kids did it. Yeah, they turned in front of the train all the time. Yeah, and we made some awful jokes about it. Our I know, I have one during in my baseball games. Right now. Oh yeah, when we, when we ran the bases in baseball, we'd say choo choo. It was terrible. Choo choo. Yeah, like a train choo-choo. when you run the bases. Oh, like haha, your friends are dead. Yeah, like haha, okay. your friend got hit by a train. Yeah, got it. I'm not saying it's funny, but we did <laughs> it. But no, this it was is, common knowledge, and they, is, no one did anything about it. It's not as many it. laughs, but it's sweeter. <laughs> this, this it's between is you the, and them. Who are you trying to make laugh? It's not for an audience. It's sad, and that's the point of this po- podcast. So that's sad. good. Dead, dead that's potential sad. Stanford yeah. students. I still wear my high school letterman. Potential Stanford students, though, still? See? Yeah, exactly. Potential st- I mean, they're rich kids. They can afford anything, right? And yeah. Stanford's all about connections. Like, you meet the people, and then... You know, they give you the book deal or whatever. You know the right people. It's all about yeah. people knowing people and rich people like rich people. And and, th- and that's the desired like identity, people. you know, and, and, and it's pinned on getting into Stanford, you know, so these fucking high schools yeah. think they'll never get there because 
they're not going to get into Stanford. They're going to go to San Jose State and it's a instead. Very small and that's going to school. Suck. Like it's a but very can, small school. Yeah, Stanford it's very very, It's very very small. But you can yeah. learn just as much as San Jose State if you want to. You can like befriend a professor you and get extra just work. No, it's not just the same identity. Much, you don't not, get to wear yeah. the you don't get to wear the hoodie. You don't get to be a part of that shit. That's that's so true. But what's so different about the syllabus? What's the syllabus at fucking Stanford? You can learn just as much. It's not about knowledge. It's not about knowledge. It's about external validation through a piece of paper that you're smart. But that and that's what I'm saying. And it's about the hoodie. It's about the hoodie. It's about the hoodie. It's it's a nice maroon. Harvard classes are available online for free. Sure. But you don't get Harvard on the diploma. You You don't get the diploma brown. No, I know. But what I'm saying is that what I think was said before, that the the pursuit of knowledge in itself should be despite the piece of paper that you get. Yeah. And it should be your own edification. Why do you want to learn? And you were mentioning this earlier that as a young kid, you don't really memorize anything and you like Wikipedia, but what did you really remember? Back in my day, we used to read books and we read them over and over until we memorized them and actually knew Mm. that stuff in our heads. Mm. And so we can reference fucking shit because we were... In, we'd learned it in a different way. Right. Instead of it always being accessible, it's too easy. Yeah, we're just it for dumbing granted. each other down. Yeah, you take it for granted. But pe- we, but we should actually want to learn. But we're not. We don't even know what learning means anymore. Is yeah. it watching a YouTube video? Oh no, I really know how to do. Learning it. Yeah. has always been uh, a loser's game. You know, because you're supposed to be a tough guy and get the girl and wear a leather jacket and drive a motorcycle. Ride a motorcycle. What sorry. school was this? Yeah. Uh, the Greece. School of Hard Knocks. School of Greece. This yeah. was Greece. You got to snap your hands all the time. Do choreography. I, I if anything, sucks. Woody Allen has taught me. Did you did you get into a lot of choreographed fights? As a kid? <laughs> yeah. And my switchblade was a comb. Yeah. <laughs> when you're I know jet, you're yeah. jet all the way. Jeez, man. Yeah, well, it's almost it's time weird. to smoke a cigarette. And this was fun. Yeah. This was, very fun. This was the boys don't cry. Live on Thank you, Michael Bloomberg. Do you have a uh, Billy Corgan impression? Because you've definitely got the whiny voice down. The Billy Corgan. I mean, the world is a man. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. You're not whiny enough. You're not whiny enough. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Good try. That was What's nice. lost will never be saved. <laughs> okay. The vampire. The world is a vampire.
ताले बाउर फाले नावर गोलुई कापे और सीध सिदाया नावर सोया रो तू पन मापे मापे रो तू पन मापे अरे चीड़ोली चीड़ोली पुले भोमो भोमो दिखाली रे अरे चीड़ोली चीड़ोली पुले भोमो भोमो दिखाली रे पुरे बातुलो उदाली का ये पानी ते जोमी ते हाली रे आइलो ते वाजिल के हाथे लो या आइलो जिल के हाथे लो या ओ आउंसारी याते पालूराई याते और सोल सलाया सोलुक दे नौ मास दोइरा दिया सोलुक मास दोइरा दिया तोरे मास दोइरा दिया सोलुक मास दोइरा दिया Oh, I'm not going to do 
Hello and welcome to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val sitting here with Diamond Dave. Hi, Diamond Dave. Hey, Babel. So good to be here. It's a rainy day in San Francisco. It is. Well, wherever you happen to be, take a look out the window or even walk outside. Babe, it's a rainy day in San Francisco, but the sun is going to be coming out soon. So good to be here. We have a brother named Lorenzo McKeezy. Hey, Lorenzo. He's going to be playing the accordion. He's already. We're going to start with. We're going to. We're going to begin with, of course, Bloodflower, and then Lorenzo, and then we're going to come. He's also an author, and he's in high school, and we're going to have a conversation. Of all that's all right. I'm looking forward to it. So let's take it away, Bloodflower. I like. I like Lorenzo's hat too. That's oh yeah, hat. stylish. Here we go. Pardon me.
Thank you. Yeah. And happy Birdflower. Uh, and Isabel, we're now accordion. That was kind of a pre-accordion uh, kind of music, too. It was. It was a preclude to an accordion with that melodica. And here would be Lorenzo on the accordion. He's going to do a couple songs, and then we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, and Lorenzo, Lorenzo is, uh, like we said, Dave, he's in high school still. He's a senior this year, um, but... Uh, uh, a young man of many talents. So I know he's been playing the accordion since he was 10 um, and then started playing around, or since he was seven, pardon me, uh, and uh, started playing around North Beach restaurants and clubs as a kid. So um, it's a real treat to have him in here today. And um, so, Lorenzo, uh, welcome to Mutiny Radio. And I bet he's also a science fiction fan. <laughs> we'll talk about it. If I see one of it. Welcome. If you go ahead and take it away.
Lorenzo. Hey, Lorenzo, we take your accordion off, leave it on the stage, and then come in here because we're also going to tell you he's a many a fascinated human being. One, one is being a published author, and we talk about his books, plus, 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 plus. Eva, have you seen? It's a beautiful book. I know. I mean, okay, so, so I first um, became aware of Lorenzo uh, Lucchese when I, I opened up the SI Genesis quarterly magazine because he and I, well, he currently attends the same high school that I graduated from uh, a few years ago. And um, he had been featured, and, and I said, well, now this is an interesting young person. So um, it was really, I, I said, I would love to have him come on to the show. And then um, happened to just run into him, actually, the, the night of the mayoral election. I was, I was, I believe I was wearing my kind of um, Uncle Sam hat, uh, running around to the various uh, election parties. And, and there you were standing outside of the bar, because you're not 21 yet, um, for Angela Aliotto's um, election night party and I said I know who you are and here we are finally here at Mutiny Radio. Lorenzo, welcome. Thank you Val. I'm glad to be on the show. Glad to have run into you that very spontaneous night at Miss Aliotto's party. <laughs> well spontaneity is the way it works if you're open to it. That's one of my core beliefs that it's that everything is indeed connected. So it's good to see you Lorenzo. Hey what was it what were the two numbers uh, you just played? Well, the first one was a song called Luce Ombre. It was originally a French composition, but was gradually incorporated into Italian music. Um, the idea is light and shadow, so you'll notice there's a lot of scales going up and down the keyboard, so those are supposed to be representative. Just so you can envision shadows going down a sidewalk, and it's supposed to be a very melodic, French, very impassionate nice. tune, love song almost. And the second song I played was... It was a medley of two classic Italian songs, emblematic of San Francisco's North Beach, where I spent um, most of, well, a lot of my life since I grew up in the Excelsior, but spent a lot of time playing down there. Uh, Omari was a, a song loved by many, and a, a, an older Italian woman, I'll say. And, and also La Mio is, is, a, is a favorite. That was one of my first big tip earners when I was still little, making the ones, five, $10 bills, walking around the streets of North Beach at the age of seven. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. I know. I, I was listening to you, and I felt like I was, you know, sitting on the, the edge of the Arno or something, or, you know, or in a little French cafe, perhaps in Paris. Um, so thank you for, for bringing all of that musicality here uh, to Mutiny Radio and into our community space. But those restaurants in North Beach, I believe I know the ones you mean, the Italian restaurants in North Beach, which have been, uh, many have been around for many, many years, you know. Uh -huh. I first got there in 1957, so that's a long time ago. So I'd be part of what soon we were called uh, Beatniks. So I was really interested in, uh, in the book that you wrote, uh, called The North Beach Story. Why don't you, let's begin, tell me, tell us a bit about that, and how you you, uh, you overheard the stories. Tell me more, mm -hmm. tell me more about the well, book got together. Well, well, my accordion and my writing careers, if you want, like to call it that, um, they've been, they're very intertwined with each other. So I first started going up there at the age of seven because my godfather who owned the late Cafe Puccini, Puccini uh, okay. due to a, a fire recently, it has been unfortunately closed down, but it's, mm. it was been there since the 1970s. So I grew up going to North Beach a lot and, and naturally as I was up there and, and after I'd stop playing, sit down for a cup of coffee, you'd meet what are known as, well, at least the remainder of the beat generation, uh, people Diamond Dave's age. Um, 
uh, people who knew maybe perhaps knew Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg personally. And overhearing the stories, I decided to craft that little novella. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it because you got from the psychic my memories. And of course, I was there, and it was Herb Kane, who was a columnist for the for the Chronicle, way back that everybody would read. And he invented a thing called three dots, uh, three dots journalism, where he'd have a line or two and then three dots, and I'd lie about something totally different. And he was the one who first began calling it this beatniks. That was 1957. Now, your dad's here. Hey, Dad. Hello, Dominic. No. Hello, Val. Welcome, uh, Franco. So this would be a freewheeling conversation. I jump in. But, but you began to hear there, because I'd like to respond that, that there had been some kind of verbal battles or face-off between the uh, indigenous Italian population. Of course, it was, that was right across Broadway and Columbus from Chinatown, which was, which was originally Italian, and then the comings of the beats. And uh, did you hear that there was conflict? And I'd like to read this. Uh, tell us, give us your own picture of the story as you heard it. Well, to give you the, the whole story well, on, on, on what's known as can it be my first novella, The Battle for North Beach, and my only novella thus far, about a, about 100 pages, extremely easy read. And I'm in the spirit of Herb Cain. There, <laughs> there is um, quite, a, quite a lot of humor in there. Uh, one, of the, one of the beginnings of my idea to craft this book came out with, you know, you see a lot of the older, you know, beatniks, older poets especially, you know, one cup of coffee, <laughs> and, and they're known for taking up table space for three hours. Well, that's what and, the three well, were. <laughs> it, it was. It, no, and I'm guilty of that, too. Well, I hope but, so. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the beginning conflict in, in the battle for North Beach, which was that the, it was the Italian restaurateurs versus the beatniks. And it was, you know, these two opposing forces, because one is so much more traditional and conservative than the other. And one is, of course, these people who have come from all across the country to gather in this one place. And, of course, it's exaggerated uh, because yeah. there really wasn't a battle for North Beach. Um, perhaps there was a symbolic battle, but certainly not a physical one. And the protagonist in that story, um, it came from... It's a story based on this man who came from Iowa, so like many of the B generations wanting to escape. Uh, Minnesota, in my case. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, so, so you know it. Uh, it's the quintessential beat story. You just said it. You know, someone. I had my thumb out. So, someone, you know, wants to escape. You know, whatever Sides to tells them they want to be, and they come out to North Beach, and you know, of course, there's some influences like drugs and alcohol and stuff, but it's ultimately a quest for identity, and it's told from this perspective of one of these guys who's beginning to get old in North Beach society, and he's taking up the uh, the life and rituals of a of an older San Franciscan, and now he's he's witnessing this conflict go on, you know, and in flames between the North Beach and North Beach is ultimately burned down in the end of this book. Again, you can take that metaphorically, but it's a, it's an insight. It's um, the best imagination of an imaginated San Francisco era gone by. <laughs> wow. And, and that was your first book, a novella, as you called it. Yeah, at, at, age, at age 11. At age 11. <laughs> Good. So, this is so we, did you grow up? Did your dad, your mom help you, encourage you to become a big reader? Was reading what you did a good share of your, when you weren't playing, learning to play the... Oh, well, re reading was certainly critical. critical. But, but, you know, it was, 
It was both of my parents. You know, my teacher had always said, you know, eventually when you're older someday, you'll be playing gigs sometime. And I always figured that was when maybe I was 30, 40 years old. But when I was 10, you know, 11, I, I got invited by a restaurant tour up in North Beach. His name was, he was, he was the former owner of Frankino Restaurant on Columbus, right next to Mona Lisa Restaurant. Mm. He has unfortunately left us. But that was the beginning of my career. My dad said, you, you know, you should form a Yelp page. And now through the years, I find myself two to three times a week, especially for the October Fest season going all across the Bay Area, and um, and with the books Enjoy too, it, with the with the books too, he and gave me books. a lot of support and gave me some ideas and, but you know he was the one who encouraged me. I had to go get a U.S. copyright, get an ISBN, and kind of navigate the process myself. Wow, yeah. so you're self-printed out there, but can, you can be, can be found in through Amazon. Is that right? Yeah, through Amazon and other mediums such well, as I, s- have a lot of books. I I sell it at you know Dogyard Books in the Mission, Adobe Bookstore over Adobe, on 24th Street. I believe I have some over at Folio, uh, the Beat Museum, of course. Oh and yeah. I'm still working on on getting it over to City Lights, but um, of course they're on Amazon and occasionally during the June Book Fair at Cafe Trieste. That's the most. That's wow. the. That's where I'm most easily accessible. Well, you'd be an amazing human being. Now this is this latest, which is over. Well, you, this is you're working. You're working on your fourth one, your fourth book. <laughs> but you've you've written you've written three and and then some so far. So um, the battle for North Beach, uh, which we were just talking about, and then. Um, this one that we have in our hands called Diarrhea of a Black Man, um, <laughs> co-authored by Lorenzo here um, and Bradley Haynes. What is this? Th- so this is a relationship that, that, that you've met yeah, um, th- this man and worked together to, to put this book together to tell his story, yes? That's correct. <laughs> tell us a little um, bit about this man and, and, and how you um, came to um, befriend him in such a way. Uh, well, <laughs> like most of my uh, people that I encounter, like even you, Val, it was really, <laughs> really just that spontaneous moment. I, I met him at the Cafe Trieste. Um, uh, that was one night, St. Patrick's Day of March. And I, um, he was in front of the Cafe Trieste. I had just put my accordion down. And he said, I said, he said, where's the party? <laughs> and that was kind of our opening line. And, you know, I had some family who had lived in the Midwest a long time ago. So I was really curious about Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee history. So I had read up about that. And we had, had managed to have a fairly nice conversation about. So I kind of understood some elements of what he grew up in. And so... I, I jokingly said, semi-jokingly, I suppose, looking back in retrospect, that I should write your biography. <laughs> <laughs> and two weeks later, I sent him an email. I said, Bradley, you know, meet me at the Cafe Trieste. And I said, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I was a little, <laughs> I, I, played, I played around with him a little bit because we sat at the table where Coppola had written The Godfather. <laughs> and I said, we're at a table with a long literary legacy. <laughs> and I said, hopefully we can follow through with that tradition. So what he would do is every weekend or whenever he was writing on BART to get to work, he would he would send me recordings, MP3 recordings of a little bit of his life. And of course, we made a mod- modifications here and there. Nothing too big, mostly changing other people's names to protect their privacy. But it's a really interesting story because there's not written from this, not, not much written from this perspective about this particular time in Midwest history. And g- give us a little synopsis of um, why his story is so, uh, you know, compelling. Let me, let me, oh. before you do, I'm going to yeah. do a couple of sentences. Oh, good. And you go from there. Detroit's my first side. Began working at the Detroit Park and Rec 
the Ford Assembly Plant, of course, Detroit, and Michigan Bell. He's always been a recording artist, a sushi line chef, a hippie, a truck driver, a casino worker, a drug dealer, a psychotechnic, a computer security expert, a network system administrator, and project designer. Spent time in Susansville State Penitentiary. I have friends who are there witnessing attacks and murder. So you summed all of this up, eh? This is the paragraph that you helped sum up what it already been. That's correct. So you had to say, you had to do a little bit of research in all of these various things so you could ask intelligent questions. Well, well, so many of some of these quite exotic professions, um, you know, especially as he went into information technology, and that was the resurrection of his life. That's where he's at now, living over in the East, residing in the East Bay. Um, But, you know, a lot of research was involved because I incorporated a lot of history. And, well, it wasn't just biography. I wanted to explain to the readers exactly what was going on during that time. And, of course, he has some powerful anecdotes to back some of that history up. Uh, but there was a lot of explanations I had to do, a lot of definitions and parentheses, and kind of help people understand exactly what was going on in this man's life. And what was his take on it? Once he, he said, here it is. Here it is. He said, the manuscript. Here it is, uh, Bradley. What do you think? And then he, he, he did a little writing in between, in between the lines, well, and it came together. That's amazing, brother, and you're a high school student. Well, <laughs> uh, you, you probably get that a lot. <laughs> I, I imagine. Uh, I wish we had camera again. Visuals would be good. Go ahead, brother. I think Dave's asking about, you know, um, kind of the, the once it got towards the end and, and you had this manuscript in hand, like giving, you know, now now Bradley has it in his hand. Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, I can invite some, uh, some of your listeners to think about what if you have your entire life story written in 250 pages? Of course, there must be a lot going through your mind. But I had a lot of people say, um, through you know, my, my style of writing is a little more historical. History is one of my favorite genres. Again, we can go back to the Ballard North Beach alternate history, alternate historical fiction. And um, I got a lot of people who said it sounded like it was told from the diction of an old black minister in the South because of its writing style. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, it's interesting. You look back at your life and you see it's finally told in story form. And you don't really think about it that way when you're growing up. You know, it's a day-to-day basis. You're in first person. But now you have someone who's taken your life from you. What a blessing. (laughs) Of course. Don't take that too far. Um, (laughs) Not literally. No. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, Science fiction. But in a beautiful literary way. Well, we'd like to hear some of it. And I'm sure that our vast uh, company of listeners out there would say, let them read some. So do you have a particular spot you'd like to read? Oh, sure. Your choice. I was just reading a paragraph or two. It's catching me. Well, I, we do have a quote in the back of the book, which if one of some of your listeners do buy it, they can see that's at the very top. Uh, I had my cover artist. He wrote this line, it takes more than luck to stay alive. Mm, <laughs> but, uh, but, this, but the quote in the back is taken directly out of the book. Um, I'll go ahead and read it before I perform some analysis. The dilemma at hand wasn't merely physical. It was a life's worth of emotions that were pouring out of his frail, frigid body, which lay baking on the ground beneath the warm Michigan sun. His unshaven beard rubbed up against the warm sidewalk while his forehead lay dripping with the last bits of sweat which would ever be seen out of Mr. Jenkins. His hand, legs, and feet were the stillest, most serene I'd ever seen them. His lack of movement brought out a peaceful calmness which I had never seen anyone in, not even my father who would sit quietly composing his music. I knew that he was in a better place. 
Yes. The day Ronald Michael and I came into Motown Liquors to buy some canned food and steal a shopping cart, I couldn't help but notice the pain and humdrumness which filled every vein of Mr. Jen Mr. Jenkins' body. His facial muscles were not composed of tissues or capillaries, instead pain, distress, and sadness. His death had been in the making for years, but as he prepared himself for heaven, his store rated itself to be another open, empty lot, which would become one of thousands in, in Detroit, Michigan. Wow, empty lots, Detroit, Michigan, whole neighborhoods emptied out. He alluded to it. Well, that's some writing, brother. And what did Bradley think when he read that? He must have been had his mind blown in a good way. <laughs> what? Uh, well, 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 certainly some of his family members. I mean, there are a few details in the book which we kind of had to change. Well, uh, we won't go into those right now. Appreciate but his, of course, his family was thinking uh, kind of that same reaction when you say, "Oh wow, you're a millionaire. Where's the money?" <laughs> uh, so, uh, m mostly jokes like that. But his family was very proud. You know, his mother always told them two things: uh, one is to build the house and to write a book. Uh, those were, I, you know, in his tradition, he was members of the Black Masons, Prince Hall Freemasons. Um, those were two key, you know, elements of his life that he had to fulfill. And mm. as, in his words, we've done one of those things, which is write the book. Wow. And, and now you're going to help him build the house. We'll burn that bridge when we get there. Okay, we'll build that <laughs> house when we get there. Build that house when we get there. Nice, Dave. Nice. I did that sometimes. Good bridge. For old man. Well, that look, time. that's so amazing. So you plan, I have a couple, so what do you think now? You're about to graduate high school this year, is that right? That's correct, in, in June. And where, where do you go again? I go to St. Ignatius College Preparatory. Uh, Val here is an alumni as well, and as well as my father, so 75% of this room. That's right. And that's right across the road from uh, from City College. No, oh, that's the other it's, one. it's down it's on Sunset Boulevard. It's down the hill. Okay. Yeah, it's well, out. Sir, it's over there. It's in. It's go west. Well, Palin, <laughs> City College. Right. But now Palin is now Frida Kahlo. Did you see that? They did change the name no, to Frida Kahlo Way. Frida Kahlo. If you, if you, if you wanted to send a letter to, to City College, say I'm thinking about going there, whatever. I, I'm interested in this. It's on. It's not on Palin any longer. It's now called Frida Kahlo. Well, it's speaking to a, a, a great um, forward thinking in, on the behalf of San Francisco and looking to celebrate artists as we do here at Mutiny Radio. Um, I want to talk for, if, if we may, to Please. about your other book, um, the book that, you know, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is a book I wanted to write, um, American Advent. So, uh. you, did you, so American Advent, you went and actually interviewed people around the country during or people from around the country, at least, during the 2016 election to kind of investigate some of the divisions that we were seeing. How did you write this book? What was that all about? Yeah, well, a after I had f was finished writing The Battle for North Beach, you know, I was idle for a while trying to put together some sort of draft of something, and there, there was really not, not a ton going on at that time that really was very, <laughs> that gave me a lot of inspiration for those years between the ages of 11 and 16. Um, so, you know, I stayed in school, good thing. <laughs> and then the 2016 presidential election uh, came around, and, you know, there's a that that kind of that created an America that you know you know we're still dealing with today and it's changed the lives of a lot of people needless to say and uh, I had a lot of encouragement from my needless mother to say. that's that's right for, for I had a lot of encouragement from from my mother for this certain this particular this project in particular because she encouraged me to reach out to people and says you know there, there's there's all these segments of the country you know there's really is no one definition of America mm-hmm 
uh, you know, you should go out there and explore it. So, you know, a lot of, I had a lot of tons of encouragement from her and I, um, and I began this project. So what I would do is, um, there's a lot of the comment sections of Facebook posts where, um, uh, have become notorious for people, strangers complaining with each other, <laughs> which is ludicrous. Um, but in those articles, let's say I liked a, a certain senator's page from any state. I'd look through the comments, and there would be people there expressing their opinion. So what I would do is I would message them, and I'd say, you know, would, would you be bold enough to share your opinions with me? And, you know, I'd, I'd change your name, but I, I would tell your story um, – how should wow. I say, in, in third-person point of view. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a collection of roughly 12 stories from each hour of Election Day, counting down different sentiments all across the country. Wow. Gathered from people from a variety of professions, variety of backgrounds, all weaved together to produce uh, you know, an outcome that was, wasn't believed by many. So, and the archives of this is available somehow. You kept all that, all the letters you got, all the emails you got, all the people answered who reached out to you because you reached out generally to them. That's correct. Um, <laughs> well, you know, of course, I had to ask permission. Uh, Love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, but it was very fun. I mean, I, I had so many different people. One was a head of a car, a car cruiser club in Little Rock, Arkansas, who had known Bill Clinton personally. And he lived only two blocks away from Bill Clinton's home when he was a, the attorney general of the state of Arkansas. Another guy I had was a retired German lawyer in Milwaukee. Um, farmer in New Mexico and Las Vegas, wow. not not Las Vegas, Nevada, Las Vegas, New Mexico, like Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had a photographer who lived in rural Western Pennsylvania. Wow! And it, so many different perspectives all put together. And sometimes, you know, you attach your own feelings to a candidate, and a win for someone might win a loss for someone else, and it, it may not even make any sense at all. Hmm. Well, I, well, I, I want to get a copy of American Advent. Wow. And well. I, I, so I know that all of your books are available on Amazon, but then um, is this one also in some local bookstores too? Yeah, that one you can also find at, at Dog-Eared Books, and I believe Adobe should have uh, a, a few things on hand. Yeah, but but, but Amazon too, of course. Um, uh, the books have ended up at various bookstores throughout the city. Those are just should. two I can name, but that but they're scattered should. out throughout San Francisco. Sorry. Now you're holding skills. You hold some skills doing this, I and mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying open mouth how you put the advent together, and the people you found. Now we're heading for. I'm saying from the perspective of my age, what's going to be politically one of some of the most interesting times that is America's yet see. The possibility that I'm a president, <coughs> and here's what you, you my line, I say uh, Trump, and I've been said this months before he was elected. I said, Trump, you've heard me say that, Bill, I think he's going from the White House to the jailhouse. <laughs> and who are going to live that time when that could well happen? And using these skills... That you've honed, that you've honed, writing the advent. I suggest you keep close to your keep close to your chest, stand right in, and see what can evolve out of these interesting times of you, a high school senior, a you, a high school senior, now looking forward, looking ahead at the, these generations ahead of you, <coughs> to see what could be what's what's going to come out. Is that something? Have you thought of that? Is that something you would consider, maybe? Well, well I know, I know you, you're, you know, you're alluding to a lot of activity that's been going on at the top level of this country. But what American Advent really, oh, yeah. really focused on was, yeah, exactly. What, what's going on right here? I mean, who are the people who sign their pens and cast their ballots? Mm-hmm. You know, who's who that changes, that makes a swing state what a swing state is? You know, obviously, it was a great learning experience for me. 
well, you're learning. And, uh, yeah, and, and you're learning, and uh, this will be emerging, so they'll be emerging, and there's so many social skills, social media skills you have that you can begin to reach out, and I'd like to see the ad- Advent, the new beginning, <laughs> volume two. With volume two. Well, well, the, the the advent the advent in the title American Advent, a title created by myself and my mother, again who provide a lot of support. Which is, you know, it's it alludes to the, the time of the the succession of poll closings. So first you have Indiana, then Kentucky, then you have Florida, wow. Virginia, and they go down. So the advent is each and every successive hour, leading to a significant event. Oh, I thought the spiritual mm. political sense, but now I get it literally. Well, this is uh, so the second advent coming up with your mom and your dad and you. It's your mom listening. You can say, hey, mom, how's it going? <laughs> I can say, hi, mom. And say whatever you like here. This is free speech. Free speech. Hi, mom. Uh, oh, hi, mom. You know, I, I know you're listening from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, mom. Uh, hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> hey, mom. Well, 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 thank you for everything. I know you're... <laughs> Val's waving over to you from over here in the Mission District, over to the Excelsior. Uh, well, you know, thank you for everything. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're the reason I'm up here today, and the reason why I've, you know, excelled. You know, it takes more than instructors in school. It takes a good, it takes a good family household, as as a lot of us will tell us. Well, I can feel it, brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, this is podcast. I don't know if you this is uh, podcasting too. This means that shortly after we finish this, you gotta go. This and the show's over. This will be on, and you can listen to yourself. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. Um, yeah, and right into the podcast archive, and you'll find us there. Our show you're listening to is Common Thread Collective. Um, so I know we're making you do a lot of work today, so you already went to a full day of school. But but this it seems like we have a great opportunity to kind of review a lot of a lot of your the body of work at least that we're talking about today. Right. So you you've done um, you've done uh, historical fiction with the Battle for North Beach. Mm-hmm. You've done uh, biography, uh, you know, biographical narrative um, with uh, Diarrhea of a Black Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've done American Advent, where it's similar uh, of reaching out and using taking other people's voices, but then writing about uh, these people's voices. And now you've been working on a, a, a nonfiction book about Coney Island. Uh, of Staten Island, which Staten they're Island. right next door to I'm each sorry. other. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm showing my Californianess <laughs> right now. Borough. Staten Island, it, it, forgive it, it, me. It's a stone's throw away. Across, okay. across the, you can actually see it from Staten Thank Island. Thank you for making me feel better about that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, go ahead. Tell us about it. Well, the, the idea began with... Um, I had always wanted to write a nonfiction you know, piece of literature, and I, um, what happened was, you know, I was in school, and I was inspired because in, in schools nowadays they have what's called the, the advanced placement, the AP curriculum. And what it is is it's the history of the Americas from a little bit before, from the American Revolution all the way till the 1990s. And, you know, these, you know the College Board expects teachers to cover this within a year. Uh, so there, you know, that as you can imagine, that really doesn't allow much time to go in detail into everything. Right. So I saw something, a project like this, didn't know what it was yet, uh, to fulfill that, that niche I saw for chronicling really specific parts of the United States. And um, I had heard about Staten Island before. Oh. It, it has the largest concentration of Italian-Americans in the United States, about 250,000 Italian-Americans. That's like that's a little over a quarter of San Francisco. You can imagine all, all Italians. 
and um, so I, you know, I, I like to use Google Maps, and for some reason I was hovering around there looking at different oh, town man. names, thought it was really beautiful, and one day I said to myself, well, maybe this is something to explore. Excuse me. And little by little, you know, I, I had to call cold call people. Maybe I read about them in a newspaper article. They were featured in a little radio station wow. like like Mutiny Radio over here in San Francisco. Maybe someone had written a book about their family and I saw them in it. I began making the first calls. Uh, word of mouth, uh, more sophisticated techniques, started reaching out to people on Facebook, <laughs> like I had for American Advent. So I had a little bit of experience with outreach, community outreach. And I, I, I've gathered this whole story, and it's told from Native Islanders. We have a lot of politicians in the book, uh, activists, you know, from edu- people who want education reform, restaurateurs, uh, business owners, and everyday people who've even moved away to the sunnier shores of, let's say, Florida or, or New Jersey. So it's a whole story weaved in one from personal testimony like American wow. Advent, mixed in with history because no one has attempted to write this, this kind of book about Staten Island, so it's really taken me hours looking on the archives, trying to dig up information and kind of piecemealing everything together. Did you spend any time in, uh, in Staten Island? I spent a week. A week? <laughs> for, for the summertime, and you know, I, I had never been there before. Wow. And, this, and so when I went finally... Welcome went to the streets of Staten Island. Why would you want to go to Staten Island? <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, because he, he, he pretty well answered that. He answered that. This is Mutiny Radio, so we do have a peanut gallery. So uh, it's all part—it's all part of the fun. <laughs> he did answer that pretty much. Well, go ahead, brother. Tell us more. Because uh, I saw a lot of the pictures yeah, from good. from your trip to Staten Island because you it, and, it, and your dad went. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, so I dragged him along. <laughs> but it, 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 it was a one-week extravaganza. I met with a lot of the people who I interviewed, and you know, I would get maybe six of us together for breakfast, lunch, or dinner at any one time. Just people who maybe. They knew each other, maybe they didn't, and we'd all gather around the table and we tell, and Staten they would, they, they would, they would tell their stories about growing up, and you know, it, you know, people like to talk about little Italy's in America. I mean, Staten Island in the 1940s was Italy, so it brings us back to the the origins of Neapolitan life on the island. You look at, you know, most of the signs were in Italian. A lot of the pioneers were in Italian. Um, of course, the telephone was invented on Staten Island by an, by an Italian who was expatriated there from Italy. The Verrazano Bridge. Mm. Uh, the <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's well, that's the, so now, now this, so this has been coming together. It's as much as come. Do you have a bunch of loose, loosely folders? You have a study in some place where you do your writing. Some place where, like, we have a study where we have, like, loosely formed folders of newspaper articles and sketch words and well, paragraphs. Well, it, and, it, it, and we want to find how organic your process Yeah, your be. process. Yeah. Well, well, it's organized quite in, in the beatnik fashion. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I would take, I note, take notes on paper and pen. You know, people are talking, you know, at rapid pace, so you, you have to jot down. <laughs> you know, I, usually in about a week, I can do four to five interviews, and they usually take about two hours on the phone. Of course, I sort through, you know, what's what stands out from those interviews that I put in the book. Mm-hmm. Although I make a promise to everyone that they are going to be going into the book. You know, I want to honor their families, and I want to, like I said, I want to try and be as specific as possible. So basically what the book's about is it starts with some of the origins, because Staten Island was notable for being 
susceptible to development. A lot of developers wanted to come in, uh, build their shopping malls, and build uh, kind of what Saramani looks like in its surrounding community. Um, but there's a whole area of the northern shore which was like yeah. pretty much like a quaint little Italian village, especially some of the beach colonies like where Catholic activist Dorothy Day lived there. Dorothy and Day. Yeah. That was the, uh, the Catholic worker. That's, that's a, uh, and, uh, and she said, okay, go ahead. She, she had a summer bungalow, actually, in a Spanish an- anarchist her? colony on well, Staten she Island. Left, went to Greenwich Village, where she, where she uh, joined the anarchists, communist anarchists, and so on. Met Amos began putting up the Catholic worker and uh, putting people up Christie Street. And, uh, uh, and, and I think that's really interesting. You should have her, that you're going to have her in your book, Dorothy Day. Yeah, she's got a page and a half mixed in with the Spanish anarchist vegetarian society. Oh, and that's, where, that's where she resided on Staten Island. And she, she was living life all the bohemian, actually, in Greenwich Village before she, of course, she converted to God. But, but that's in only one, that's one of many stories in, in, this, in this whole collection of really powerful narratives. You're going to have photographs, too? Oh yeah, I, I'm planning on putting in lots of photographs, yeah. and it's it's going to be, uh, you know, at least to my standard, somewhat professional because I'll be adding in an index and, you know, bibliography, and the cover's already pretty much done. Uh, the, I guess I can spoil the title, Staten Island, like it or not. Wow. Uh, <laughs> That's a great sassy title. Very I frank. Like how, Bur- how Burrow Five kept its soul alive. That, a to that's Z. the subtitle. Oh, and that's wow. what they call now long-form nonfiction. Is what they call. And Lorenzo, what's it called? Long, long-form non- non-fiction. And when I'm thinking, what I want to say, and say, oh, but wow, look who's here, is I want to see an article. Let's see if we can put this uh, pencil seeds now. This would be mind-blowing. That you have an article, it's from your book of Staten Island, people can, uh, in the New York New Yorker magazine. Let's see if we can step up that far. You read the New Yorker, see they have their own style, long-form non-fiction, and see what, uh, and, uh, an interesting New Yorker-style story about Staten Island for the New Yorker would be amazing. And it'll be first in the long line of, of New York canonical literature. Canonical literature. Canonical, my yeah, goodness. There's you know books about Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, thousands and thousands of books. Perfect. Staten Island, maybe you're talking about five books, not even that. Interesting. Uh, most of them are older, you know, books of family, really reference books. So this is mm-hmm. this is going to be something that's going to be narrative. Con- con- yeah, exa- exactly. Long-form nonfiction, narrative, wowzy. Well, you're biting off a hell of a lot. You're an amazing human being. And you're going to take this. Now, now it's time. These books, you well, it's solid that you got published. It's solid published it itself. And they're beautiful. But so this book, you can really begin to shop around and see if you can find a publisher who'd be interested in a book by a young fellow such as you or a fellow such as you or a human being such as you about, about would rise and fall in the, the book itself, Staten Island. That's, that's correct, and, and I've I've learned the hard way that you know unless you're someone like Stephen King, you know you, you really have to be in a community of local writers. That's why I'm grateful to stations like Mutiny Radio, you know, showcasing local talent, love it. Uh, local talent, Branson, Missouri. <laughs> uh, I, those two are synonymous with oh, each yeah. other in my mind. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's that's what's so wonderful. Um, that one of the things that keeps me, you know, 
doing mutiny radio uh, as long as I have um, is that there really is a very supportive community of writers, you know, whether it be nonfiction or prose or poetry in, in San Francisco and in the greater Bay Area um, that really comes together and celebrates uh, one another. And um, so I'm so happy that you've joined us here at Mutiny Radio. Obviously, you've got a great start <laughs> to and, s- and to, as an understatement. <laughs> now you see the kind of thing can be done here. And so you can now put your mind another way. How can you relate to what we do? As, this is called the Common Thread Collective, the show. And that comes to these four lines that came to me from the Spirit. You might have heard it, but it goes like this. We would all say, cast a wide net, find the common thread. Let life flourish. Don't panic. Just, just keep, keep it, it organic. organic. So that's what we're about. What you're about? Do you do a lot of science fiction? No, well, 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 now I, nowadays I haven't been reading much of anything. And in fact, I'm losing. I'm, my prescriptions have gone down a lot. Focusing on this on this book wow. really oh, for f- oh, f- five hours, you know, all week. And it, it, it takes a lot of five work. And and, sure. and for 14 months now, it's. You know, I've I've had a lot of you know gas in me energy, <laughs> uh, you know, to try and working on this project, and now I'm I'm slowly easing toward the end, probably by wow. before the end of the school year, and then I'll and we'll see what the future holds. Wow, what the future holds. Speaking of it, I, uh, have you have you begun to apply? Are you applying to go to various colleges now? Oh yeah, I, I've I've been I've applied to several colleges, seven seven, you know, across the country in total. Uh, hope, hoping to for Stanford University, I was I was deferred there recently, um, but with Mutiny Radio behind me, now I'm it's guaranteed Absolutely. acceptance. Well, well, I'm at a college. That's right. We're uh, gonna steer the co- ship right towards college. Yeah, I'm <laughs> one in Staten Island. Is there a college in Staten be your, Island? We'll be your crew. <laughs> Stanford, Harvard uh, level college. What's the closest one in Staten Island? The other Susan Wagner College. There, there's another. There's another technical school. Um, but m- most of them are life to other universities I in the see. New York area, of which there are many phenomenal ones. Phenomenal. But 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 see, they're, they're very practical on Staten Island. You know, it, it's an old it's an old school way of thinking. You know, you go into professions that you know you're going to get a good living out of. And then there are people like me who are who are writing and <laughs> wow. yeah, living like the life. Lorenzo, you'll be an amazing and outstanding human being. I'm so glad you came in, and uh, I want to say hello to your dad too. Hey, Dad. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Well, now I got you talking. What's it like to have a son like this who's constantly amazing, isn't he? <laughs> it's been wonderful. Um, Lorenzo is an amazing human being. Uh, human being. He he's a really gifted child. Uh, Mom and I have just been uh, thrilled to have live music around the house. That's right. Uh, many hours. <laughs> Not the <a> neighbors. <laughs> many hours a day. Plus, he's working on his book in Staten Island. Book, and who knows what's going what's go, what's coming next? Would you shake my hand in amazement? Val, what do you think? Well, I, I'm just really pleased and um, to have you both here uh, and. Uh, Lorenzo, you, you you seem to me like such a like an old soul in a, in a new yeah. world, and, and you're a hardworking 
person and uh, you've obviously done so much already in um, the past just handful of years so I look forward to seeing what does come next as you said looking at, to the future yeah, maybe we can do some kind of <laughs> follow up in five five something years absolutely, absolutely. or sooner anytime anytime you're yeah, absolutely yeah. welcome here at mutiny radio um, the door is open, as as we would say. And now, never having been here, but now having been here, a big difference is now you see how it rolls around here. If you want to write a radio drama, look at a radio drama, write a radio drama to play, be played by how many p p voices or something, four or five voices, we try that too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the oppor the oppor the uh, yeah the opportunities are are, are endless. endless. <laughs> it's called doing more together than any of us can do on our own. Yeah, co collaboration is okay. crucial. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see. Maybe the next book will be about you know the people contributing to Muni Radio. It, it, like I said, it, you have to recognize local communities, and that that's what I'm doing with the Staten Island book. Okay, we have That's exciting. And there's, but, uh, here, at the, here at the beginning, you'd say people began to come together. The rest is history, 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 and what I call hipstery, which is the underground connections that we were making all the time. <laughs> so welcome aboard, Lorenzo. Yes. And, and so I guess I guess to close off uh, this little interview, I'll, I'll be playing two uh, final goodbye songs. Oh, beautiful. And uh, and. We'll, we'll see what I'll play. Not sure yet. <laughs> okay. I like that. That's what we like around here on the Common Thread. We never know what's going to happen next, and that's what keeps Craft things and interesting. <laughs> I'll make sure that too. <laughs> yeah, Dave. That's what we do. That's why we're here, right? Oh, yeah. We're here because we, we like to open up um, our, our minds, our our hearts and our and our doors and our microphones uh, to have artists come through, uh, share their vision in whatever format or medium that may be, whether it's in writing or uh, playing music or talking about things that are uh, important. And um, I'm just really excited to have Lorenzo Lucchese here today, uh, our our young uh, wildcat, as they would call us at SI. <laughs> so next show but uh, you know, also, it, it's it's really cool to have um, uh, you know students coming out of that school that are pursuing uh, cre these creative uh, interests and creative uh, professions and, and careers. Um, and uh, it's since I, I, I was featured in Genesis magazine several years ago, and I, the I got a lot of feedback from that saying, you know, I'm really glad that they were showing somebody who was doing something kind of different, right? <laughs> Formerly pirate radio station here, Mutiny Radio, not a pirate radio station anymore. We are streaming around the Internet on mutinyradio.fm, uh, but live here from San Francisco's Mission District. So I see Lorenzo is back up at the microphone on the line. stage. Oh, yeah, Dave. Transcending all past categories, we welcome all cool folk. You know who you are. We welcome all cool folk out here in the cutting edge. And, 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 and it really, thank God, is through the social media, through, this, uh, through the magic of internet radio, here we are talking to you all around the planet. Uh, what can I say, my Lorenzo? <laughs> take Lorenzo. It take it away, Lorenzo.
Okay. And to close off the show, I thought we'd do something a little more festive, reminiscent of the Midwest. Thank you for rolling out the barrels of fun. <laughs> Thank you, Valor. Great time. What, um, and just as a real quick ending, where, when's the next time people could uh, catch your act? Oh. Or I, well, best, ch- best chances of, of catching your act? Well, sometimes you can catch me around North Beach, but uh, are you going to put contact information for me up on the website? I can do that. Yeah, go ahead and do that because, you know, a lot of these are private parties. Oh, sure. <laughs> to, to have the paparazzi show up. On uh, yeah, the no, I know. you got to be careful about that kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah, so uh, you know, tell your listeners they can give me a call anytime. Discount rates in San Francisco. If you say you called from Mutiny Radio, and then I'd be happy to show up and rail out a few tunes. Very cool. Well, you'll get the, make sure I have that information before you go, and we will we will spread the word. Yep, and as I said, the copies are available on Amazon, or you can support your local bookstores too if you live in the Mission. Dogyard Books, full Adobe Books, Folio Books. Look for them. So cool, Lorenzo Lucchese. It's a pleasure. I'm so happy you're here today. Everybody appreciates you being here. And if you're looking out for these books, folks. Uh, Lorenzo Lucchese, spell Lucchese, L-U-C-C-H-E-S-I. An Italian after my own heart. My, my, my parents, or my San Francisco ancestors, we could say, started in North Beach um, about six generations ago, and uh, some of them became part of the Italian opera. So I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for it. Uh, our, 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 our performer here and, um, and North Beach and uh, the music and the arts of our fine city. Um, you've been listening to Mutiny Radio here. We are the Common Thread Collective. So when you go to mutinyradio.fm, click on the podcast archive, you scroll and you see Common Thread Collective. And uh, today's podcast will be posted after 6 p.m. And today is... January 11th, 2019. That's 111 to you and me, everybody. I'm Global Val. Um, let me play a little music for you uh, from some of our friends here in the Mission District called Mission Delirium because uh, we've had an upbeat day and they're going to keep us going.
मेरा चाहे ना तुम्हारे चाहे ना जेरा चाहे ना तुम्हारे चाहे ना जे आपोनु मायरे नहीं जाने इरा तो
আমি কবে হব গৃহ ওরে কৃষ্ণ প্রেমে ওরে কৃষ্ণ আমি হয়ে 
আবার স্ত্রীপুত্র বান্ধবের লাগি স্ত্রীপুত্র বান্ধবের লাগি লাগি কেন মিছে তুমি কেন মিছে মর কেন মিছে মর অকারণ কত কত দিনে musical break uh, that we had going on here on the Common Thread Collective. This is from a, a CD that Bloodflower handed to me a few weeks ago, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet. It's a lot of fun, huh? It is a lot of fun. Arko Mukherjee. If I say it a few times fast, it'll sound better. Mukherjee. Arko. Um, and the album is called Five uh, Collaborations, Influences, Chapters. Maybe five of each of those, um, but a, uh, this is really lovely music. Oh, okay, interesting. Well, I'll I'll, I'll post it um, so you could check it out at arcomusic.com. Arco is A R K O music.com and we'll, we'll put it up on our Facebook page as well we've been having a great afternoon here um, we're surrounded by friends uh, new and uh, established and writers musicians poets uh, anarchists rabble risers uh, and um, philosophers political um, uh, wonks and um, and the like Oh, let me turn on your mic, Dave. Sorry. Okay. There you go. And EK has just joined us. Hey, EK, welcome. Hey, Dave. Hey, And we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about it a bit. The fact that we're going to have a special book party here on Saturday. Tomorrow. We're going to advance tomorrow. Wow, is he? And we'll be talking more about that. But there's planting some seeds. So stay listening. It'll be tomorrow afternoon. 
The book party is uh, EK's book, which is? Ordinary Villains, Dave. Ordinary, Ordinary <laughs> Villains. So stay tuned. There's going to be a star-extended cast of characters that are going to be backing you up. They're going to be having your back. They're going to be enjoying the, 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 the occasion. Am I right so far? You are right so far. Okay, we'll talk about this as we go out to plant those seeds. Now, I have Joan. Have you, have you two met Joan, E.K.? Hey, Joan. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Joan Rivard is back. You. Glad to see you. It's been a while. And I, 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 I met Joan. A little bit of hipster here. I met Joan up at uh, Hippie Hill. I believe. And, uh, and, uh, and I began to discover that Joan, uh, up from L.A., was taking a real interest in the, the kids of Hate Street. The wanderers, the freight train riders, the, 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 those that used to be called uh, gutter punks, crusties, and now just the homeless kids, they call themselves. Uh, traveling and so on. Is that right? And you've taken a special interest in who they are and what they're about, that generation. I sure have. Uh, I, I showed up there, you know, chasing the dream like other people that go there. And it's a special place. It, it has a special energy. It represents something so amazing that hasn't happened very often, if ever, in history. And what's that? So many young people, so many people from all different backgrounds, all different, rich, poor, races, everything, got together and wanted peace. You know, I saw a picture of the Summer of Love where the whole street was just packed, packed. elbow to elbow, you know, and, and that happened. And, and it's, it's a very important historical event. And so I'm trying to find and hold on to what remains of it because I feel that it's a valuable resource in this country. We've got to enjoy it and, and make use of it because it's deeper than, than a lot of people might realize. And some of those that you've, you've befriended, taken interest in, it's helping tell the stories of, just like Leonard was telling the story of, 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 of his book, of telling the stories that they have to say. People still had felt that there's something about Hate Street that brought them to by what, whatever means. Many times not in a, some automobile bill, not no sports car, but by freight train, by the thumb, by every way they came here to be on, to be on Hate Street and that part of the park where the hate, where hate Street ends and the park begins. And, and um, I fell in love with them. Uh, they're amazing people. When sitting down and talking to them, I found that they're so spiritual, unbelievable. I mean, they live these hard, hard lives. They, they get their stuff taken away, their dogs. Uh, just terrible things happen to these people, and they sleep in the rain and on the ground, and and yet they're always talking about love and peace and understanding and, you know, the wow. dream, and, and they're so alive. And, and you know, I, I've come to think, I think I realize that there's something more natural about them than a lot of people, just because they're outside. And just because they're not plugged into a lot of electronics and they're not, you know, hobbled with debt and, and schedules and having to get up before dawn to go to stupid work to drive three hours. It's horrible. It's horrible the way people are living, mm -hmm. you know. And it's not the way uh, this country was intended. And I still believe in this country because that's all we've got. 
you know, the, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, we can't just dump those. That's all we've got. I, but I want you to know, I love my any anarchist friends, but I am not an anarchist because that has a very bad label. And well, there's a lot of things in, in our movement that have a very bad label that have been poisoned by other people, you know, which were good in the first, the things were good in the first place, but... Uh, they got twisted around. Well, we're practicing our First Amendment rights right here, so feel free. Our right of speech, the press, the impress, and what it is we can put out there. Uh, we would, we're not, we're, 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 we're signed up to practice our First Amendment, our First Amendment rights, to yeah. just to do that. So welcome, Joan. Yes, freedom okay. of assembly. Well, I came back to uh, Hate Street after being gone for about four months. And, and I was just shocked at the, the, the change that had taken place. Now, I could be wrong, you know, maybe these people come back, but this time I think it's different. Uh, this whole magic was happening over there. And then when I came back, the kids were gone. The park had five, eight cameras put up around the, the beautiful pond where they all used to hang out. And, um, and they had been chased away. I heard that three dogs were actually shot as they were trying to arrest these kids for, you know, sitting on the sidewalk or, or um, drinking or panhandling or camping, these kinds of, uh, you know, quality, life quality But remember these are the winter months. There's a time where a lot of these kids uh, are heading, they have that, since they, they, they live they live on the pack on their back of that, they can go down south, they can go to warmer climes, and I'm still, I believe that many of them are there, whether they be in Mexico, or whether they be wherever they happen to be, and, uh, and they'll be back as, as it warms up, wait and see. This may be true, may but, be true. you know, they're afraid to lose their dog, they're afraid, they lose all their belongings when the police stop them, a lot of them. Uh, they also get their stuff ripped off, but you know this is the place. This is the hippie capital of the world. This belongs to us in some way, in a spiritual way. There, there aren't other. I mean, there are other places that might be similar, but you know, this is this is a focal point and for, be back. for that movement. Well, yeah, they a might be back. A lot of will be back, but and that's and that's the banner you fly is helping the, helping put the message out. In fact, you have in front of you part of your book. Is that right? Yes, I do. And I'd love to hear you uh, uh, read something. I think you already have it picked out, and that will be definitely, how do we say that, food for thought. I will. But I wanted to talk about how it felt to come back. I want to tell that story, if that's okay. I, mean, I, okay. I had it written down, Please but that section said. I didn't bring with me. I okay, thought well I had you the whole book, but I didn't. Why I um, but, uh, but tell your story. This is, I, I just said this is free speech. Go ahead, uh, uh, all right, when, when I came back, the, I looked down the street. There was hardly anyone there. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And, and it was partly because the McDonald's closed down. And that McDonald's restaurant, as much as a lot of us don't like fast food, it was the only place where they could get warm and, and get out of the rain and, and buy something for a reasonable price to eat and a warm drink. And without it, it it's just made it a lot harder and then the cameras, and then I found out about the cameras, that there's eight of them put up all around where they all used to sit and, and visit and, and have their community, and there's nobody out there. There was nobody. It was so strange, you know, even on a beautiful warm day, nobody sitting on the grass. 
And, and another thing is uh, there's some beautiful pillars at the end of the street that were painted rainbow colors. We call them the rainbow stairs. And uh, purple on each side, big pillars. And, and there were trees, uh, evidently, before I got there. I, I didn't know this before I left on my trip, but there used to be trees where they used to sit underneath. So they cut the trees. Uh, they put up a no loitering sign, and now they're planning to paint the steps brown, all of them. And I don't know, I just feel that it's a magic that, that we want to hold on to. It's, it's something valuable. It's, it's beyond just a fad or even a historical event. In my opinion, the, the things that these kind of people teach, uh, you know, the long-haired hippie with the peace signs, even with short hair, I'm not saying they have to look the same, but that, that mentality, it's what saves planets. This planet is in a whole lot of trouble. Everybody knows that. I mean, the surveillance alone is nightmarish. I don't want to live in Orwell's world. And what have we got to, to unite people, to turn them on, to give them hope? You know, when I would see these kids and go out and talk to them, it made me feel better. It, it often made me feel better. You know, they know how to do things. They know how to build things. They know how to fix things. Uh, they know how to survive. You know, a lot of us are becoming more and more helpless as the machines take over and the jobs and the debt takes over and, you know, we're separated from our loved ones and our communities and we're each in little cubicles. It's not a normal way for human beings to live. Um, and yet people are so good, they're not that violent. There's not that many weirdos as they want us to believe. And, you know, I'm seeing how hard they try to frighten us and make us afraid of our fellow man. Um, and I'm saying also a point which hasn't been driven very much, that uh, what the hippies believe in, cooperation, forgiveness, uh, that people are basically good, that's exactly what Jesus taught. That's what those ch churches should be teaching instead of the horrible, awful stuff that Paul the Apostle added to the Bible, which is full of stuff Jesus did not teach, and it's, it's really nasty. It, it, um, it says, slaves obey your masters, uh, uh, obey every ordinance of man, uh, that's Peter, uh, women are horrible, you're horrible, you're cursed, you're born in sin, all that stuff was added, unbelievable, and so we're finding these people who don't think they're guilty and, and evil and born in sin, 